wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 289 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. I'm here with the bearded wonder, Mr. Alan Jones. I love that's my new name. The bearded wonder. You had coffee with a friend this morning who I don't think I'd seen since before Christmas. Mm, maybe. And she was like, oh, I really like your I really like your beard. And I keep forgetting I have it. Mm-hmm. And then she asked if I liked it, which you, is a good question. Yeah, do you like the beard? I I do. I Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't sound convincing, does well, it? Well, what's your arguments for and against? Um, I think it looks handsome. Yeah. I don't like it when I kiss you that your like hairs go up my nose. Yeah, I don't like that my hairs go up my nose. I'm actually thinking of shaving it off. You are? <clears throat> I think so. Uh, I might actually just trim it down and no. see if I can do <laughs> No, 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 because I remember the last time. So a couple, the last time you grew a beard yeah. and then you like shaved it down to various horrific versions. No, of, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking oh. of like keeping it as it is, but like this is right now a three. Like I went over it with a beard trimmer at a three. Oh. So maybe taking it down to a two. Oh. Just like you know, <laughs> okay. tidying up a little okay, bit. That, that's okay. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Quickly, move from the beer discussion yes. to a weekly catch-up. We've had an interesting week. We have. This episode is a week late. It is. And do you want to say why? I really to, like having COVID. <laughs> I managed just to be an overachiever. You are. You know, yeah. in our family, we've only had COVID once. And I thought, you know what? Let's go for it a second You like time. to lead the pack. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, let's hope we're not yeah. leading the pack. No. I got COVID for the second time. And you can still hear, I don't know if you can still hear a little rasp in my voice. It, I, it was so nondescript that I didn't even take a COVID test until, what, three or four days in? Yeah. And Abby was like, Dad, why don't you take a COVID test? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll take a COVID test. Because I'd I... just like to say that the day before that, I suggested you take a COVID test. And you went, it's not COVID, I don't have a fever. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you and I remember that. <laughs> Interchange very okay. differently. Okay, it was the deep. I must say, your voice when you have a cold and it's all deep is like. Rah. Well, but, I did have a voice. My primary symptom like, was that a voice that that Barry not, White. It's not COVID. I don't have fever. I'm like, oh, okay, Doctor Jones. <laughs> Turns out, apparently, you can't just guess whether you have COVID no, or not. I, I think took that's a COVID a test. Rule, yeah, had a COVID. Went straight into isolation for had a COVID. <laughs> What did I say? He said, I took a COVID test, had a COVID. I had a COVID. <laughs> well, the thing is, I didn't have any, I didn't have a fever. Yeah. Um, it does make me think, it does make me wonder how many people who have colds right now actually have COVID. The vid. And they're not aware of that. Yeah. I had no fever. I had a sore throat for the first day and then it went. But it's the usual thing. Like, do I have a sore throat just because I didn't sleep well two nights in a row? Oh, look, my sore throat vanished overnight. Like I slept and I didn't have a sore throat the next day. Mm-hmm. Then I had the mother of all congestion. I thought it was a cold. Anyway, turns out I had COVID. Yeah. It, it, well, the way I describe it was I was sick enough if I had a job to be off work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was sick enough to yeah. be in bed. Yeah. But not sick enough that I couldn't enjoy the benefits of being in bed, watching TV, video, playing video right, games. Right, right. Well, but on Wednesday, which was your first day of sort of symptoms, yeah, I knew that something was up when about 10 o'clock in the morning you left your desk and you went, I just don't kind of feel myself. And I think at that point, one of the things I, I'll sidebar on this yeah. one, one of the things I love about this house yeah. is that we have a huge guest room upstairs Yes, that is separate. Yes. And it's so very easy for us to isolate. The second that one of us goes, huh, I just don't quite feel myself or I don't, you know, whatever. 
We divide because otherwise we both get sick and then you have to figure out which sick adult has to take care of the children that are not sick yet, but they're about to get it because you're out there interacting, you know, so we always divide. So it was literally, I think 10 o'clock in the morning when you're like, I just don't know how I feel. And I just went and grabbed my pillow and walked upstairs. (laughs) I was like, and we're done. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty good. We're pretty good at isolation. So none of the rest of us got it. No, nobody else got it. No, we just kind of locked you in a room. Yep. I, well, I don't really need to come out of the room. You would bring me food. Yes. And you would make it like small enough that it would just slide under the door. So I've lived on craft <laughs> singles. <laughs> That's not true. I made you soups and all <laughs> kinds of things. Liar. Yeah, I stayed. I basically stayed in my room. Just you. You had tray service to your room. I had tray service. Yeah. I have fast internet. Mm-hmm. I have a PS5 and a Nintendo Switch in my bedroom. I mean, what I else do you there's need? There's no reason, yeah. real reason to leave. Yeah, yeah. The the other main headlining event was COVID was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other was we're under a winter weather advisory. Yes. The kids have been off school the last couple of days. Yes, they went today late start. But I was really surprised by uh, that because there's yeah. ice everywhere still. Two hour late start, which yeah. causes chaos. But I have loved having the kids home. I know. They're so fun. I loved having the kids home the last couple of days. Yeah. It was probably because I was quarantined in my room and I didn't have to be with them. But no, yeah. I'm kidding. You I'm loved kidding. having them home because I was dealing with it. No, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're so It fun. was lovely yeah. having them home. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, the weather has been all over the place. Our trees look amazing, though. They do. Actually, I want to go take some pictures of them. I went out to be at the bus stop with MJ today because he's getting was... picked up two hours later. Yep. And if you just stand still, you can hear... The crackling. The crackling of yeah. the ice on the trees. Yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing. That's very cool. And then anything else? Like, I mean, my my week was inside of a room. What was your week like? Well, I mean, once we knew you had COVID, I kind of canceled a bunch of things because mm-hmm. I was I was supposed to get to see a whole bunch of people. But I just, it just in the effort of, in case I have it and just don't know or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't want to spread it, especially yeah. since a lot of people I would hang out with have babies or, yep. you know, whatever. So that slowed down the week quite a bit. So mostly I just painted and... Yeah, you've been painting like yeah. a storm. Yeah. Like is, a storm. Is that an expression? You've she, been painting a lot. I've been painting a lot. If we I don't know where painting. mommy is, she yeah. is in the She's basement. She's in the basement painting. painting. And I, I now have to layer up. It's been so cold that I'm layering oh, especially up. Especially in the middle of an ice storm. Yeah. Freezing. Yeah, so cold. It, so. I, I was curious as, uh, you know, I've been out this week, but the week before, mm. and I got sick at the end, when we uh, end of the week when we usually record an episode, mm-hmm. I was thinking about how... In one sense, our life hasn't changed that much because we're still pastoring people, even though we're not pastors at a church. Like most yes. of our week is still spent meeting with people, talking to people, helping people, helping yes. people process. Yes. And I, 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 I just thought that was, you know, because usually when we come and record these episodes, I just sit down, open up my calendar and go, what was our weekly update? And I look at our week and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. we did a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. What do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, I feel fine about that. They're, they're all people we've invested years of relationship with. Yeah. So I feel great. <gasps> they're not equal. Oh. <laughs> he just pulled the strings. For those uh, of you listening, uh, out of uh-huh. out of my hoodie, and the strings aren't equal. She had, she had one string that was tucked, and that well, was bothering me. It was, it. it was leaning over. Okay, there you go. It's, it's equal. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, just don't touch it. I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I was painting in this shirt yesterday, which I shouldn't be because I tend to get paint all over them, but I was. And so I tuck those strings in. When I in. look over to the part of the basement yes. that you paint in, yes. What, yes, there's paint all over the floor. There, there is. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the painting process is that? <laughs> well, the, the paint that's all over the floor is from the spinner, the like Lazy Susan thing that I made. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
like it just peels off the floor. It's acrylic paint. Does it peel off the floor itself? <laughs> it's not self-peeling, no. <laughs> okay. But but Tia yeah. enjoys peeling oh, it off you're, the you're floor. You're blaming on yeah. the 13-year-old. So I left it for her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh-huh. The other thing we did this week yes. is we launched the Finding Father Spring School. We did. It's a bit of a mouthful. Tell the good people all about the school. Well, the goal of the school and, and getting to do it together mm-hmm. is basically to learn how to hear God's voice or, yep. or sharpen that if we already know how to hear his voice, experience more of God's love, oh. and um, to figure out together, well, how do we live from there? How do we live from there and live in peace? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're going to do together. And basically to join the school, all you need is a copy of the book and a copy of the teachings which you can get all of that on the website. And then you would join me for a live call every other week. And we just process together. I help you with anything where you might be getting stuck. And um, yeah. I, I was looking, we did it three years ago. We called it the Final Father Summer School because you did yes. it in the summer. Yes. I had a great time. It was so fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked forward to it a lot. And yeah. then I got... I got mono in the middle of it, didn't I? Yeah. And you ended up doing a bunch of weeks. Yeah, for me. I, yeah. I stood in for you. Uh, if you have done the school previously, mm-hmm. or if you've enrolled in the Finding Father uh, video course, and you would like to get in on this cohort of students going through it, if you want to meet with AJ on Saturdays for the live coaching part, you can still do that too. You should have got an email if you're if you're a previous student of either the summer school or the Finding Father video course. Yeah. You can get in on that. But for anybody who wants to get in on it, if you go to findingfather.school, uh, you can find uh, the links, all the information you need to enroll. So good. And it uh, closes February 20th. February 20th. Yep. So don't delay. So our topic for this week. Yes, ma'am. Is dealing with anxiety. I thought that we'd look at anxiety from a three-pronged perspective. Okay. So I thought we'd look at it from a spiritual perspective. Yes. I think we'll look at it from an emotional perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I want to look at it from... Uh, physical, a kind of like a brain science perspective. Love it. Because I think, I know you have been in church meetings where everybody treats a subject as purely dualistic. It's either God or it's the devil at work. Right. Which uh, sometimes leads us into error. Yeah, for sure. Because not everything is a demon hiding behind a rock. Right. Right. Uh, sometimes we can uh, completely ignore the spiritual perspective. Yeah. And I think there's actual wisdom when we step back. And I, in, in year two of SOSL, I remember I started teaching on brain science because I was fascinated yeah. at looking at the neurochemical components of uh, what we'd previously talk about as emotional or spiritual events. Mm. And actually be able to say, oh, look, you can see through brain imaging what the brain physiologically looks like when this stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I want to talk about anxiety. I think it's super important. We we were talking earlier, we've both got an interesting history with the topic of anxiety. Well, I, the other thing I was thinking is when you were just talking about, uh, I want to look at it from a spiritual perspective, yeah. and then, you know, like, let's look at it from these three perspectives. I was thinking, well, it makes a lot of sense because we are actually, we are three in one. You know, we yeah. are spirit, we are soul, we are body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense to look at all of those components because I think often we don't, as you say, like we don't, we just want to assign it to it's bad mm-hmm. or it's good or it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I also think there's a tremendous amount of shame for believers around even saying that you might be have anxiety. So that's why I love that we're going to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about your relationship with anxiety? 
was saying, it's so funny because we can all have our own perceptions about what we're like. And so mm-hmm. I actually said to you, this is how I feel I am. Do you think that that's accurate? Because, you know, you're the person that spends the most time with me. But I would say I'm not a particularly anxious person. Like I, it, it, that's not my first response. No. It takes a, quite a bit for me to arrive at anxiety. Like I, I have a hard time thinking of times when I've been anxious. Yeah, I was, I was doing some quick back of the envelope math. I think I've only experienced you in anxiety twice. Wow. In my, in my life. In 18, 19 years. M- maybe, maybe I'm going to up that to three because I just remembered another event. You did? Yeah. Which one? When you were in a payphone and you had a family member who was in crisis, but I didn't think it was crisis when we were dating. And it was triggering your old familial patterns of being family glue. And I was just like, okay, we're going to breeze right now. And we're not going to rush to rescue. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't remember at all. I probably blacked it out. <laughs> but even then, like, we're, we're, you know, we're talking like, like right. less than five times in, yeah. uh, in 20 years of knowing you. Have I seen you anxious? Like even in all the stuff that we've been through, we've been through a lot, yeah. a lot of crisis. Yeah. Uh, I think even times when we're, I remember one time we were at an airport and the plane that we were about to get on landed on fire. Yep. And I, I would say we were both very calm in that situation, but just watching you, you tend to be very calm. Yeah. And you don't tend to go to anxiety. Do you remember that time we, had th- we were on a plane that was trying to land in Wellington, New Zealand, and the wind was too high, and they tried to land like several times? Only because you mentioned it. I, oh, I've never thought it, of that. That was horrific, because it like the plane's coming in sideways, and they were like, nope, and they kept but, trying. But even, <laughs> even like, w- you would get uh, nervous flying, yeah. which would l- be different than anxiety, I would yeah. say. And we're maybe blurring some some terms here. You I, probably, did, I don't enjoy scared. flying. No, you don't like flying. Yeah. And you don't like turbulence. No. Where I'm kind of like, eh, you know, about, right. about turbulence. Right. So, yeah, you don't tend to be a very anxious person. No. I mean, I think when when you said, oh, we're going to talk about anxiety, I can I can think of one solid time when I remember thinking, I'm, I don't know if this, if panic attacks are the same thing. Uh, Go but, on, tell your panic attack but story. But I felt... Like that's, that's where I was headed, rapidly heading. I think I've told it before, but it was when we were uh, going to Israel or we were in Israel and we were going down to go through Hezekiah's tunnel. You're going to have to explain what that is. So Hezekiah's tunnel is a tunnel that is dug underneath David's city. It was dug by two teams that miraculously ended up meeting in the middle so that they, when the Assyrians attacked, they still had water. I mean, it's like this, it's really, really cool. Uh, story, but you can go down and walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. And, you know, I knew there was some water in it because they said, you know, wear like Tevas or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Or Tevas. Like um, sandals that are like, kind of like rubbery sandals, okay. you know, that are attached to your feet. But anyway, uh, so I don't like closed spaces. That's part of why I don't like flying. I don't think I put tunnel and closed spaces together maybe as as quickly as I should have. And so, and you, we all went down, we have our guide, Abby, you know, Tia, MJ and you, and you're at, you're sort of out front and you see what, well, you read something I never read. Well, first of all, (laughs) the thought of what we're going to do didn't sound appealing at all. Like, okay, you're going to go through tunnels that sometimes the water is up to your chest, depending on the height of the water. No. This is what I read in the in the guidebook. Uh, so I it, never read that. <laughs> I never 
never would have signed up for that. <laughs> you will be wading through. And then sometimes, like, I'm particularly broad-shouldered. Like, yeah. sometimes men won't fit through the tunnels and you'll have to hunch up. And right there, I'm like, no, this does not sound like fun at all. Okay, I did not read any of that. I just, Ramey told me that it's like ankle deep and it's, you know, you have to do it. <laughs> Never told me. <laughs> but they, and, they didn't tell you that the water level would fluctuate depending on how much rain it, was in the area? Yes, but they said like then it might get up to, in places like up to your calves. They never said up to your chest. No, I saw like, oh, it could go from the middle of your shins up to your chest. Certainly hip height. How deep was it for you when you went? Well... Well, let's back up because you're. Well, we enter. You, you, we, 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 we get to where space. you have to see. You have to drop down into this hole to go into the tunnel. And at that point, you're committed. There's no getting back out, mm-hmm. right? So you see it. For, I can't see past you and the kids are in between Wait, are us. Are you blaming me yeah, for yeah. this? Okay. Yeah. I just want to know where the story goes. But, but Tia sees it and goes, nope. Like she's like, not doing it, you know, kind of thing. And then MJ looks and goes, nope. And so Alan's like, babe, it's okay. I'll take them the dry route and I'll meet you at the other end, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, oh God. Okay. You know, and then. And I went the dry route and I'll tell you that the dry route was supposed to be the easier thing. There's no water. You're still walking through tunnels. You know, it's, it's a guide, but I'm, I have a backpack on my back. Not a big like mountaineering backpack, just like a, you know, like a backpack. Yeah. You know, there, there was times when I wouldn't fit comfortably. I did the dry route when I took the team. And it's still, yeah, you, yeah, it's a little squishy, but at least it's there's At least there's light. no water. There's no water and there's light. And you're not going to drown. Right. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, go back to your story. <laughs> but Alan also saw the sign that says, this is a 40-minute walk in water in pitch black. Like, they give you this tiny little pen light that you're like, I mean, this is this even on? But when you get inside, it's so pitch dark that you feel like you have like a flare. It's so bright. This little time. Like I'm feeling anxiety with you describing the story on a podcast. Oh. So you willingly got into yes. a hole with rushing I dropped, water. I was the first one. And Sarah, was, you know, our, our guide was like, yeah, you get in and then we'll put Abby between us and I'll come last. And I was like, okay. And I didn't see the sign that said it was 40 minutes. So I was like, I can do this. I could do this because Abby really wanted to do it. Otherwise... I would not have. But I was like, I don't want, you know, Abby to not do it because I'm afraid. And, you know, that whole thing of like, okay, even if you're afraid, just do it afraid. Like, go, you know, how bad can this be? You You know, anyway, I drop in and it's waist deep where you where you drop in. Oh, and then you kind of come up a slant and it's about knee deep and then it gets to about ankle deep for the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) it's freezing cold. I mean, we did it in March. And so, I mean, it's freezing cold. And then all of a sudden you're just in this dark thing and the walls are weeping water. So you're just like, I mean, I'm like, oh, okay. And so Abby comes in and she comes out, you know, of the deep part. And then Sarah, and we start walking. Well, I'm realizing I'm, I'm like forgetting how to breathe. I'm so, it's so enclosed at times you're literally hunched over, like I was hunched over, and the walls are hitting both my shoulders. You mean it, it's so low it's that you're so having a hunch over? Okay. Yeah, and a couple of times, like it's low enough that I was hitting parts on my spine as I'm like hunched over trying to get through it. And, uh, you know, the water off the walls is getting on your arms and all that kind of stuff because. Yeah, this sounds like a nightmare. It's, and it's cold, mm-hmm. you know? And we're on our own. Like it's not like there's a gajillion people with us, it's just the three of us. It, potential 
for all the disaster scenarios to go through your head. I'm just like, I know it's been standing for thousands of years, but this will be the day when it falls and I've killed my daughter, you know, like I, and then I'm like, and Abby's just seems to be doing fine. Like I'll be like, so Abby, I'm trying to sound calm. How you doing? She's like, yeah, good. You know, kind of thing. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm like praying in tongues constantly praying in tongues well slow down for a second what are you feeling in your body as you're as you're in there if you go back to that state oh i'm i'm what do you feel what do i feel i was i was terrified i was i was literally shaking and i was shaking and i was having to coach myself on breathing so you're having to step outside yourself and and soothe yourself yes so your heart rate is elevated oh i'm sure it was your breathing is yeah yeah and I'm literally like, okay, what could I, what can I focus on? Okay, I have this little tiny light <laughs> that, like, even when you're, you, you know, you're pressing it the whole time, it only gives you about two feet in front of you, mm-hmm. and the rest is pitch black. And is your brain readily supplying you with nightmare scenarios? Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah every nightmare scenario. Yeah. And and of course, I'm like thinking of, you know, what I'm going to say to the different people that told me to do it. It was going to be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I was just like. I mean, it was, it was awful. And mm-hmm. I literally was like, Jesus, just like, if you would just get me out of this tunnel, like I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> you know, like I'm negotiating. I is great. And then, oh. you know, then every once in a while I'm like, Hey, uh, and you know, and Abby's just like, she's chatting away with Sarah and they're, you know, well, I didn't realize I was basically speed walking. Like I need to get out I of this wondering. tunnel now. So we're, <laughs> We've been walking for about 10 minutes and I'm thinking, because I didn't see the sign, like, how long is this tunnel? Because mm-hmm. I'm hoofing it through mm-hmm. this tunnel. And so I say to Sarah, like, and I'm trying to sound calm. Hey, Sarah, uh, any idea like how long this takes? And she's like, well, I've never walked it this fast before. Normally it takes about 40 minutes, but we might make it in 20. <laughs> I was just like, oh, dear God. So we, I mean, we walk as fast fast as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And then about three quarters of the way in, we come on the back of this German tour group that are barely moving. And I got to get out of this tunnel. You're like, come you on, know? Hans, let's go, go, go. <laughs> go, Hans, go. <laughs> um, and they're all like, look at the, you know, I'm the, you're listening to them talk about, uh, they might not have all been German because I could understand some of what they were saying. Them, no, you can't get past them. It's single no. file. Yeah, it's single file. And they're so they're like walking real slow and talking about like, look at this, you know, seam of whatever kind of rock in here. And I'm just like, this is all my nightmares come together. My mother used to make me look at the rocks. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I just want to, you know. Anyway, at the end of the tunnel, there's a guy that's selling T-shirts that says, I survived Hezekiah's tunnel. And I still want one because I'm just like, yeah, I did. You know, and when we took the team the next year, I didn't go. I was like, not doing it. Did it once. Did it for my daughter. She said she had no idea. That you were freaking out. I was completely freaking out. Well, I remember because when you came out, you started going through my backpack looking for liquor. (laughs) (laughs) you were like there's got to be some alcohol in here somewhere (laughs) yeah you looked pale you were speed talking talking a million miles away your you know your 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 claws yeah were digging into me you were hanging on me for dear life you were in a highly to regulate you were like all your yeah nervous system was fully present and accounted for 
Oh, yeah. And I remember later we went back and the kids just wanted to like have a rest or whatever. And I was like, I need to go walk. Like I still felt so. You had so much adrenaline. I had so much adrenaline, so much stress that I'm literally like, I don't care that everywhere I walk is going to be upstairs. Right. I don't know how that works in the old city, but you're always going up the stairs. But I just was like, I have to. Uh, I, I'm still so keyed up from Yeah, it sounds like you're right on the edge of a panic attack there. Oh, I literally was saying to myself. You cannot lose your mind. What I wanted to do was just break down crying and stop. And I was like, you you, you don't have that option. Your daughter's behind you. You're going to freak her out. You have to keep going. So just keep going. Well, also the thought you can't go back. You can't uh, go back. I mean, and it's dark. I mean, it's just, it's so dark. And you're cold. I don't like being cold in the first place. So it was just, it was a recipe for disaster. It's not a good time to mention that this episode is sponsored by Tourism for Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Go to Hezekiah's Tunnel. You'll love it. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's quite the primer for anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I, I don't know where to start because, you're, you you know, as you were describing your story, I said that, you know, I want to talk about it from a spiritual perspective, an emotional perspective, and a, and a physiological perspective. Yeah. I think I might start there with a physiological perspective. Yeah, because that's probably where I was camped. Well, there's, well, there's a whole bunch. <clears throat> if you look at anxiety from a neurobiological perspective, mm. which I am not a neuroscientist, like not even remotely. You like to are, pretend you are though. I like to pretend I'm a physician of any <laughs> yeah, kind. Yeah, I know. You're just like, hey, <laughs> let me look at that. Why? I just want to, <laughs> I want to see whatever it is. No. <laughs> Be that as it may, I am fascinated by knowledge and learning yes. new things. Yeah, yeah. So there's two neurotransmitters that are believed to be involved directly with anxiety in the human brain. Mm. The first one is GABA, which stands for gamma amino butric acid. Mm-hmm. We'll just call it GABA from now on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> and this is what's called an inhibitory neurotransmitter. So this helps decrease the activity of neurons. Okay. The second one that we've probably all heard of is serotonin. Shall we call it Sarah? <laughs> yes, Sarah for sure. <laughs> Gabba and Sarah. They're out for a walk together. <laughs> and serotonin helps regulate mood and anxiety. Yes. Right? Okay. So there's those two neurotransmitters that work. And then there's two areas of the brain that they think are active or, or tend to be overactive in people with high anxiety. Yes. The first part is the amygdala, and that's probably what was firing hugely when you were in Hezekiah's tunnel. Okay. The amygdala is a part of the brain that controls the fight, flight, freeze response. Yes. Right? And yes. it sounds like you were in all three. All the- <laughs> Rotating evenly. <laughs> you know, seriously. Like, seriously. And then yeah. that's probably what caused your body to speed up and walk and, you know, let, let's, just get, let's just get through this. I'm, I'm going to yeah. hold it together. Yeah. You also had, interestingly, some prefrontal cortex activity, which is the front of your brain, which is kind of the administrative part of your brain. Yeah. That was taking over going, no, you don't have the luxury of losing it. That's you have right. your daughter here. Yeah. But, but stay with the amygdala for a yeah, second. Yeah. That's the part that is your fight, flight, freeze yeah. part of your brain. Yeah. The second part is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Mm-hmm. Is there a short word for that? <laughs> there is. They call it the HPA axis. Okay. <laughs> so the HPA axis is a system in the body which is all about stress management. And when it's activated, it releases cortisol, which contributes to anxiety. So you know how you said, I came home, the kids just wanted to rest. And yeah. no, I need to walk off all that adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. You probably had high levels of cortisol running yeah. through your body. Yeah. All right. Good. So there, there is absolutely a physical component to anxiety. Yeah. And I want to leave that for aside for a second, because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about all three of them. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about an approach 
with all three in mind to helping us deal with anxiety. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So there is a neurobiological, physiological, and physiological yes. part of anxiety for sure. Yes. Let me talk about the emotional part of anxiety. Yeah. Our feelings expert friend, Dr. Mm-hmm. Chip Dodd, who's yes. been on the show before, wrote a brilliant book called uh, The Voice of the Heart and many others. He maintains that every feeling has both a gift and an impairment. Mm-hmm. That when we feel our feelings, we receive the gift of that feeling. Yes. And when we refuse to feel a feeling, we end up with an impairment of that feeling. Yes. So he says that anxiety is actually an impairment of fear. Yeah. That is when we refuse to be present with our fear, when we refuse to feel our fear, when we refuse to talk about our fear. Acknowledge it. When we just push yeah. it down, we yep. deny it's there. Yep. It's kind of like holding a beach ball underwater. Right? Yeah. Eventually that thing's going to spring up. And while we're suppressing our feel, while, fear, while we're not talking about it, anxiety is the byproduct. Yes. Which is an interesting way of thinking about it emotionally. Sure. The, like, but it uh, makes a lot of sense. Oh, totally. For sure, yeah. Totally. Now, before I'd done any feelings work, mm. if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be firing up an email to myself to say, uh-uh-uh, Second Timothy 1 says that we don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of power love and of a sound mind. Yes. Right? Therefore, we don't need to be talking about this fear stuff and you know, that's, that's right. all fine. Just put a band-aid on it. But, but what's funny about that is that's actually a fear response to fear. Ah, yes. Right? Yeah. Because if you actually read that verse, we can say, yeah, yeah, you're right. We don't have a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but we actually have power. We have love. We have a sound mind. Those three combined allows us to be present with what might be scary and we'll still be okay. Yeah. Like we won't receive a spirit of fear by talking about our fear. Right. What was the gift of fear? The gift of fear. So if we work hard and we feel our fear yeah. and we talk about our fear and we give space to it and we, we give it to God, we actually uh, receive faith and wisdom. So that sounds more like what that verse is talking about, doesn't Consider it? Consider the irony. Yeah. 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 If, if we are actually human. Mm-hmm. And we bring to God the stuff that we're scared about. Right. And by the way, he made us to be able to feel fear. He absolutely did. Yeah. Because fear is actually uh, necessary for a safe life. Yes. You're walking down the road and a lion comes out of the way. Yeah. And jumps at you. You know, your fear kicks mm-hmm. in what we were talking about earlier. Your little amygdala yeah. and your fight, flight, freeze run. allows you to run away. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So fear is actually a really healthy thing. And yeah. actually being able to process that and think about that is actually a good thing. But when we refuse to do that, mm. that's where anxiety is produced from an emotional perspective. Got you. What's interesting is you actually find that pattern repeated through scripture. So Psalm 55, verse 22, the, the whole of Psalm 55, David is really emotionally present. Yeah, you got to love David. He's just telling it like it is. Fully present with his fear. But in verse 22, he says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Yes. Now, what's interesting is cast your burden. That means you have one. That means you have one. Right. right? Cast your burden. Tell the Lord the thing that you're scared about, the thing you're worried about, the thing that your worry is going to overtake you, Mm -hmm. which if you read... Psalm 55, he, he absolutely does that. Yeah. Cast that on the Lord, and in doing so, God's going to work wonders for you. He's yeah. going to ensure that you will not be shaken. Yeah. But if you keep it to yourself, if you try and deny it, if you just you know move in the opposite thing, you're going to end up with anxiety. In yeah. a bundle of, it's funny that you were saying, I was trying to keep it together, I understand, for the sake of your daughter, but it didn't make your feelings go away. No. It, it also makes me think, and this is probably like a, a, a just an interesting side note, but you know, when he says, and he, and he won't allow the righteous to be shaken, yeah. right? It's it's interesting that when you, 
when I've when I've observed panic attacks, usually mm. there's a whole bunch of shaking yes. that is involved in that yeah, scenario. Yeah, both physically yes. and emotionally. Yes. Or how about First Peter five seven, where it says, "Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord, for He cares for you." Yeah, it doesn't say deny all your anxieties. No, it says cast all of them. And that means you're going to have some, maybe a lot, you know. And you can't cast what you're busy denying. Right. Right. So again, it's like be present and tell the Lord about it. Why? Because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. To have anxiety is not to lack faith. To have anxiety is to be human. Right. And our solution is to give it to God. Yes. But in order to give it to God, you have to be present with it first. Yeah, you have to acknowledge it first. Mm Mm-hmm. So anxiety basically comes to us when we refuse to feel our fear. Right. And the solution for that is to actually talk about our fear yeah. with the Lord and, and other trusted people yeah. to kind of get it out into the light, as it were. Yeah. Chip summarizes as, as you know, feel your feelings, mm-hmm. talk about your feelings, give it to God. Yeah. And I, I, I love that process. So good. I've been reading Genesis recently, and I was reading about Jacob, and Jacob is... Uh, been hugely successful in mm-hmm. this story. Mm. He's been with his uncle Laban. He's worked for, I don't know, 20 years. Forever. Changed his, you know, <laughs> yeah, his yeah. wages like 10 times. Yeah. Cheated him out of a wife, got his wife. Yeah, anyway, yeah. he's like now done and he's moving. And the Lord's told him, I should go back to your kinsmen, go back to your family and I'm mm. going to prosper you. Mm. And so he starts doing that in, be- in obedience to the Lord. But then Esau, right, his brother comes out with like 300 men. And suddenly Jacob's like, uh-oh, Mm. And you read this beautiful passage where his fear, his anxiety comes to him and he's caught because he's like, wait, Lord, you've asked me to do this thing, but it looks like it's going to go south. Yeah. But I also realized that actually last time I crossed the Jordan, I just had a staff and now you've given me everything. So I know you're going to be good. Oh, and P.S. I'm only doing this because you've told me, please, please, you know, don't let my brother overtake me. And it's this beautiful human moment that I think we all face. When we follow the Lord, we're going to come into circumstances that feel overwhelming, feel scary, can be anxiety-inducing, and the trick is not to ignore it. The trick is to take it to the Lord and set it in its proper context. Yeah. Hey, Lord, anxiety is saying this. Yeah. What do you have to say to it? Yeah. Which brings us neatly and nicely to the spiritual component. Ah, Right. So we've talked a little bit about the physical component. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about the emotional component. Mm -hmm. The spiritual component of anxiety is interesting because I think at its root, anxiety is always about contesting God's word. Really? So you look at the very first question that's asked in scripture. Mm. Satan comes along and the very first question is, did God really say that you can't eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden? Right. Right. The first challenge. Right is all about God's word and its desires to produce anxiety. And we see that it does because as soon as they disobey God, they start hiding. Yeah. And God's like, where are you? Yeah. Right. First recording of well, hide and seek. And that's, that's consistent throughout scripture that, that, that the enemy is constantly asking a question that undermines it. Absolutely. Did God really say, yeah. Which the fruit of that is always anxiety. Yeah. That makes right? sense. So God says, where are you? And he's like, well, I'm hiding because I was afraid. Yeah. So the first response is like fear, anxiety, oh God, what's going to happen? Yeah. And it was all about God's word. You see this in the life of Jesus, Matthew 4. Mm. Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Yep. Right. And then the devil comes along and asks him three questions. Now, to be biblically sound, it only says that Jesus was hungry. It doesn't record that Jesus was anxious. Right. But look at the questions that Satan's asking Jesus. They're all about inducing anxiety. Okay. Right? So question one is, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. 
Mm-hmm. Question two, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down and God will protect you with the angels. Right. And then question three is like, hey, if you'll worship me, I'll give you everything. Right. And what's interesting about that, the first two questions are designed to bring about anxiety around his identity. Yeah, if you're really... If you're really the son of God. Yeah. And what's curious about this is this is Matthew chapter four. Guess what was in Matthew chapter three? What? You know already. It's the baptism <laughs> of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Matthew chapter three closes... This is the, my beloved son and here I am of God. Yes, exactly. This is the beloved son. Yes. And so the very next thing, the thing that is attacked is his identity. Mm. And then the, the very question, thing that God just spoke about. The very thing very that God clearly. just spoke about. The word of God came out. Yes. And the next thing, there's questions designed yeah. to challenge the word of God and induce anxiety. Yeah. If you're the son of God. Yeah. The third question is all about his destiny. Mm. And I think anxiety is usually about who we are and what we're becoming. Yeah. Think about it. Think about what you've been anxious about this week. I bet there's a high probability it's about who you are, Mm. about your identity, Mm. what kind of person you are, kind of mother, what kind of father you are, how successful you are, where you are in life, where you should be in life by now, or it's about your future. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's all rooted in trying to undermine what God said about us. So anxiety then is most often about who we are and where we're going. Yeah. And if you look at Jesus's response, it's brilliant. Mm. Right? It's like, it is written. It is also written for it is written. Yeah. The best tool to combat a challenge against God's word is God's word. Yes, for sure. So if you bring all three of these things, the spiritual component, the emotional component, the physical component, I've got a list of things that practical things that we can employ in life that will help reduce anxiety in our life. Ooh, I love it. Let's do it. Right. What's number one? Number one and two are going to go together. Okay. Number one and two allow it. <laughs> are the things that arguably have produced the biggest change in my anxiety levels and yet remain the biggest obstacles in my life. Ah, I know what these are. <laughs> <laughs> number one would be exercise. Yes. And number two would be food. Yes. All right. So number one, exercise. Exercise. I think everyone knows exercise reduces stress. Yes. Stress is a huge contributor to anxiety. Yes. But also exercise increases levels of GABA and serotonin in the brain, which is good. Mm -hmm. But it's even simpler than that. And I know you're going to laugh because I've made you do this last couple of weeks. Okay. Dr. Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist out at Stanford University. (laughs) I was like, do we want to shorten his name to (laughs) Huberman? Maybe it's Huberman. Huberman, Huberman. Uh, it probably is Huberman, and I said it wrong. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hoobs, hubs. He has this brilliant teaching. He talks about optic flow. He says, just even go out for a walk. He talks about lateral eye movement, your eyes naturally moving left or right. Mm-hmm. The the flow of information going past your eyes, he calls it optic flow, yeah. has huge uh, benefits at soothing the amygdala. Okay. And you're like, well, that didn't work because I was in a dark tunnel. And I couldn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing going past my eyes. But, that but I could it's see. interesting that what you wanted to do to get rid of your stress was go for a walk. Uh, when you well, were in Yes, afterwards. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And even even in the last couple of weeks, especially since Scott died, yep. there's been a couple of times when you've been like, just put on your clothes. We're going for a walk. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to do anything. It's cold. You know? It's miserable. It's, it's cold. Damp. It's miserable. But you're right. Like once it we get out, it, it does do something. Yeah. Right. So your exercise doesn't have to be insane kettlebell you know, ridiculous workout. Oh, Just praise him. going for a walk is yes. going to be huge. Did you want to say something else? I'm worried I cut you off. No, no, that's no. fine. All right, number two is diet. Mm-hmm. We know that food 
affects our mood. Yeah. <laughs> Some people more than others. Right. I won't say who. There is, but... a, there is a whole category of food groups that we call comfort food. Yes. Right? Yeah. That makes us feel better. Yes. But also there's a whole group of food that we can eat that makes us feel better, but actually makes us feel worse. Yes. So again, if we're thinking about those two neurotransmitters in our brains, right, GABA and serotonin, there's things that you can eat that can actually help raise the levels of that. That's right. We need to feed Gabby and Sarah something (laughs) different. (laughs) I was going to say, what are you laughing at? And I thought, just wait, she'll tell you. So tryptophan. Yes. Found in Turkey. But also found in chicken, found in eggs, found in dairy food. Tryptophan is a building block of serotonin. So foods that are naturally high in tryptophan will help boost serotonin. Foods that are rich in magnesium help support GABA. Okay. Which is what? Leafy green vegetables, nuts, seeds. Okay. Um, But what's what's interesting, because I know you were commenting on me uh, and my diet. I found that when I do keto, which is naturally high in foods like we've discovered, my mood stabilizes Yes, way it better really when I'm does. On and it's the keto uh the keto diet is naturally low in all the things that you're allergic to. <laughs> when I went sugar, did... <laughs> chocolate, carbs. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just cocoa. Cocoa, yeah. which is the main ingredient of what now? What is it called? <laughs> chocolate. It's yes, cocoa go and ahead. sugar that I'm highly intolerant uh-huh. to. Wait, chocolate, but not cocoa British. and sugar. All mm. right, number three. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, food. Food yes, is yes, yes, yes. Number three is sleep. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to realize that when we are low on sleep, it absolutely affects... Sleep? <laughs> are you low on sleep? <laughs> when we are low on sleep, it absolutely affects all parts of our body. Oh, yeah. But especially our emotional makeup. Oh, yeah. Do you I know always, that? I always, whenever I talk to like new moms that it's like their first baby and the baby's not sleeping yet and so they're not getting any sleep and they're like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that you are. You yeah. are because, because not you're because not of designed you to or live this way. You're gonna yeah. make it. You're yeah. gonna make it, but you know. Do you know that people who are intoxicated outperform people who are sleep deprived? <gasps> you're kidding. No, well, I I shouldn't say that universally. In one study, yeah. They found that drunk drivers outperformed sleep deprived drivers. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. terrifying. Sleep deprivation is a big, big deal. Yeah. So getting healthy sleep is gonna support your emotional and physical well being for sure. And did you know, <laughs> are you ready? This, I can't give you the name, but I probably could on a different uh, podcast. Um, but I follow a German doctor mm-hmm. who said that women actually need more sleep than men. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that based on... Because of hormones. Because For hormone support. I was going to say anecdotal evidence, <laughs> but we'll go with hormones for sure. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yes. So apparently... This guy was saying that most women would be healthiest having between eight to 10 hours of sleep. And most men can still be like healthy and have healthy hormone levels and blah, blah, blah at six. Wow. So that's, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Number four. Number four would be therapy. Yes. And there's a wide, you know, I'll put a lot of things under therapy. But actually just talking to somebody about what's going on inside your head. Mm-hmm is very, very helpful. Sure. And we can bear witness to that ourselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so there's tons of different therapeutic approaches, but just the act of talking about whatever's going on in your life will help lower your anxiety for sure. For sure. Number five is prayer. 
And we already talked about Psalm 55, mm-hmm. cast your burden on the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, or First Peter 5, cast our cares upon him. But what about this? Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. The precursor to experiencing the peace that will guard your heart and mind, that's unfathomable, by the way. Mm -hmm. The precursor to all of that is prayer. Love it. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. And again, I said that earlier, you can't cast in prayer what you're busy denying in life. Right. You have to acknowledge it. Absolutely have to be present with it. All right. Number six, you taught me this, uh, live in daytight compartments. Yes, but I would have said it differently. How would you have said it? Basically, don't borrow trouble. Yeah, well, that's the exact phrase you taught me. Jesus taught about, uh, you know, do not worry about tomorrow because... Tomorrow you know, takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah. each day has enough of mm-hmm. trouble for its own. And I remember one day, very early on in our marriage, we were talking about something, and you said, honey, I'm going to encourage you, don't borrow trouble. And I was realizing that in an effort to minimize my anxiety about tomorrow, I'd yes. start worrying about tomorrow, thinking it was care, yeah. and worry does not equal care, no. today. Yeah, and sometimes weary... Worry is actually just control masquerading as like totally like I'm just trying to be well planned, you know, whatever. Yep. And it's it's like actually worry and control partnering up and yeah. Be, be where your feet are. Yeah. Er. Be where your feet are. That was number six. Yes. I came to my end of my list abruptly. I didn't know how many I had, but six is it. <laughs> six apparently. is it. There yeah. we go. I think having said all that, mm-hmm. it's probably important for people to know that we are not doctors or therapists or counselors or whatever or psychologists no no so we're just people that are looking at the world and looking at the word yeah and seeking wisdom it's also important to know that anxiety is on a spectrum sure and so there there, uh, there is a, a portion of the population who will have very severe anxiety and a, and a list like the six things i've just given might not help sure and i would encourage you if you're in that situation seek help from trained professionals absolutely have no shame about that like yeah. it's not god's will that we would live burdened by anxiety yes and anxiety is a feature of life and and yeah. scripture tells us how to do it. but sometimes we need support yeah uh, more than the six i've just given and, you. and i think often anxiety is seasonal too it's mm-hmm. you know you can have seasons where it really is I am now overwhelmed by the amount of uh, negative information I'm trying to process, yep. and I need help in this season, and it, it doesn't say something about the rest of your life. Exactly. Guess what, babe? What's that? I have a listener's question for you. Oh, you're turning the tables? Uh-huh. Right, read yeah. me your question. All right, I will. This is my favorite part, because you put glasses on, and how does the glasses actually help you? Because it, all it does is it makes your eyes look much bigger. Does <laughs> it actually help you read that better? Yeah, I can't read it without them. It doesn't look like you can read them with them. I can. I'm just trying to look around my mic. Okay. This is going to be wonderful. All right, go. (laughs) Right in front of my camera. (laughs) Read us it. What's your question? This is a listener's question from Rebecca. Okay. And it says, not sure if you've heard of the Beam of Podcast hosted by Marty Solomon, but basically he's a Messianic Jew that's going through the podcast with a theology student, like a rabbi would with a disciple. Anyway... He really unpacks the Western versus Eastern perspective and understanding of scripture. So episode one, right at the beginning, is the proverbial bomb that the creation story is in fact not a story of how the world was created, but rather a poetic chiasm portraying God uh, to people who already have preconceived ideas of what God is like. 
So it was rather a retelling of a commonly known fable, but retold in a way that revealed important separating truths about who God is and what his character is like. Okay. Thoughts? Oh, that's the question? Oh, no. (laughs) I was like, that is an essay answer. (laughs) Not a podcast answer. Keep going. (laughs) Question asker supreme. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. I I didn't realize it. I had missed part of the question. Scrolls. Yeah, scrolling. You can use your thumb. Scrolling will help. Okay. So my question is, have you ever heard that the creation story is just a poem concept before? I know you visited the Ark Encounter at one point. And what do you think about that? I'm currently leading a house group and we are going through... Uh, this podcast and every week we are like dang I'm not sure what to do with this I love that Uh, we are on episode 10 and we've spent all semester getting through 10 podcasts but yeah I know you guys are great teachers and I really would love to know what you think thank you Rebecca for sending that question what a great question Uh, first thing I want to try and answer this in a couple of different ways the first thing I would say is that I don't want to offer a critique on something I haven't listened to Sure. I, d- I did look up the website of that particular podcast. Mm. Uh, at the time, they had nearly 320 episodes. And I realized even if I listened to 10% of those, which I'm not going to have time to listen to 30-odd episodes, right? still that's just a drop in you know the, the ocean of episodes that they've done. So I don't necessarily want to critique that podcast itself, but let me give you a couple of thoughts. Starting with a 30,000-foot view perspective of Scripture— One of the things that I've come to really, really appreciate is that before the Bible was ever God's word to us, it was God's word to a different people group. Yes. And so one of the things that we've learned, and there's some great resources out there, I direct you to the Bible Project, who I think do an amazing job of this, Mm -hmm. Uh, a textbook, this is a tome, but it's quite accessible, called Grasping God's Word. Another one, a famous book called uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, All these things, uh, all these resources do a great job of helping you read the Bible with a perspective that before it was God's word to you, it was God's word to somebody else. So there's going to be cultural idioms, sayings, cultural context, political context, even narrative context, that us in the West may be reading the Bible without knowledge of that, a lot of that will go over our heads. Sure. So actually having uh, access to people who can explain. Like one of the things I loved when we were in Israel was getting a Jewish perspective on texts that were so familiar to us yes. in a new light. Yeah. So I love, like, from that perspective of having a uh, rabbi, having somebody who is well-trained in a different school of thought approaching the scriptures, love that. think that's really, really beautiful. Very, very essential and incredibly key to understanding the text appropriately. Sure. Let me zoom in a little further Mm. and just maybe kind of repeat myself a little bit. I've particularly appreciated the Jewish perspective on scriptures because, again, a lot of the the scriptures are written by Jews, to Jews, for Jews, for Mm -hmm. the Jewish people, and me raised in Scotland without any cultural or historical understanding of that. Decidedly not Jewish. Decidedly not Jewish as a Gentile. Hugely helpful. Sure. Um, getting those perspectives on it. And if I zoom in to your specific question, have I heard that the creation account in Genesis is actually just uh, poetic, it's a poem, it's not actually be taken literally? Yes, I absolutely have heard that before. Sure, so have I. And it's not something I hold to for a couple of reasons. The, the first one is, 
I would be very cautious about categorizing parts of Scripture as things that don't actually mean what they say they mean. Because if we're free to do that with the creation account, what other parts of Scripture are we free to do that with? Right. And if we make the creation account a a poem and not actually a, a literal recording of what happened, how do we interpret other parts of the Bible that reference that? Right. So if we think about in the beginning, the word was God, the word was what He was in the beginning, yes. By him, all things are created. Yes. Does that uh, poem now challenge that? Sure. Our, our good friend David Campbell says it this way. He says that if if you only believe the parts of the Bible that you do like, and you don't believe the parts of the Bible that you don't like, then you don't believe the Bible you believe yourself. Right. And that's the very thing that we want to get away from. We want to get away from being able to categorize certain parts of Scripture as, well, you know, it's this, therefore, this. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in the inerrancy of Scripture. I'm a firm believer that the Bible uh, is without error. I'm a firm believer that, yes, we do need to read the Bible in the context that it's in, but I would be very, very cautious about taking large portions of Scripture and saying, because it's this, that means this. Right. So what would you do with that information then? Like, first of all, I love that you're going through this, and I love that you're asking us for a perspective. Thank you for for giving us the privilege of speaking into that. I think it is hugely important to be aware of schools of thoughts regarding Scripture. Mm. But I think it's equally important to be aware that we don't have to believe everything we're taught. Yes. So, for example, I am very well-versed in a cessationist theology. And I could actually recite from Scripture the main arguments of cessationists. That's people who don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I could talk about the passages they would use. I could talk about the tricky passages in Scripture that would seem to suggest that they're wrong, and I could explain that away. But in the same way, I can also, and I'm very familiar with the charismatic theology about why the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Mm -hmm. Knowing both of those things has actually helped me inform what I do believe. Right. I don't believe both of them. I only believe one of them. Right. Similar with the arguments about women in church, women in ministry. Uh, as in all the churches, women should remain silent, for example. I've, I've taught about these passages before. I'm familiar with the arguments that would talk about why women shouldn't be in ministry. And I'm familiar with the arguments about why women should be in ministry. And even though I know both of them, I don't believe both of them. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with knowing how uh, Other different... people view things. Uh, exactly. Yes. I think we have to be careful with what we do with them. Mm. And I love that you're even asking these questions so you're figuring them out for yourself. Uh, I would not say that the creation account in Genesis is uh, merely poetic, merely alle- allegoric in nature. I would say it is a description of how God created the earth. And I know <clears throat> one of the things I loved about my father, my father was a world-renowned scientist and he would get a hassle from the scientific community for holding to that. And I, thankfully, I don't know anything about science. Like, you know, the whole yeah. creation versus evolution argument is not one I am bothered by. It's not one I wade into. It's not one I'm particularly well equipped to defend. I just love the Bible, and I love believing the Bible. Yes. And uh, I hope that long kind of meandering talk answers your question a little bit, Rebecca. Any thoughts, AJ Jones? I was wondering why you brought up your dad. Well, I'm just thinking about, like, as soon as you say that, there's going to be a whole uh, group of people who would say, yeah, but what about this, what about what this, right, what about this? Okay. And my father, with, you know, like a great pedigree as a scientist, with, you know, numerous papers published 
you know, for him. Yeah. He loved all this stuff. This is this was his hobby, you mm-hmm. know, the whole creation yeah, he did. versus yeah. evolution. And, you know, as a well-educated scientist, he could explain things. And for me, it's not an argument I go into. Oh, I got you. Okay. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm just content to be simple and childlike and go, I, I believe the Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. but what about this and what about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe the Bible. Love it. Uh, AJ Jones, what do the people need to know as we wrap up? If you have any questions that we could answer like we did for Rebecca, yeah. go ahead and head over to alanandaj.com slash ask and put your questions in there. If you would like to know more about AJ's Finding Father Spring School that's happening, registration's closed February 20th, head over to findingfather.school for information there. And if you would like to become a member of the show, head over to alanandaj.com slash join. And becoming a member will give you discounts on... Uh, everything we talked about will also bump you to the front of the queue with your Q&As. Also gives you video access to this uh, podcast so you can watch us shiver in our podcast studio. It's true. How cold is my nose right now? Is it red? Well, I can't really tell because my hands are so cold <laughs> that I'm not sure. But needless to say, I'm cold. Yes. It takes a lot for me to yeah. be cold. Do you want to, uh, while we're closing, do you want to tell them what happened right before we came downstairs? <laughs> I said to you, I'm like, do I look pretty? Tell the story. <laughs> We're in the bathroom getting ready. He's like putting on beard oil. And and I'm like, okay, granted, I have my hair up. It's not even in a messy bun. It's in a normal bun, by the way. And I'm like, do I look pretty? And you're like, uh. And, and then- that's all the time we have for this week. We'll be back next week. We look forward to seeing you then. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone